Well, good morning. See if I can get this thing fired up now. Could be a very short sermon here. It's always a joy to come and share with you. I do want to uh, just rejoice a little bit. Uh, the sermon today is born out of uh, a journey that I've been on with my wife for uh, about the past seven years. Uh, my wife began to lose her hearing uh, about eight years ago, I suppose, and it continued to decay to the point that uh, she was uh, diagnosed as being uh, severely deaf. Um, you can only imagine the frustration this came to a woman who loved to teach, uh, a woman who uh, is a gifted musician, vocalist, and she lost the ability to hear song, to hear sound, and very frustrating. This past week, uh, we went down to Sioux Falls, and she uh, had a cochlear implant uh, finally turned on. The surgery was back in August, and it was... Nothing short of miraculous as sound began to flow into those deaf ears. And I cried like a baby. She's in that process now of learning to hear sound again because it's, it's electronic sound. She, she has to interpret the electrical impulses that are coming in and uh, we as a family, John and Mindy and Drake and Elsie and uh, my son Justin flew in for the week and uh, we've spent the week trying to t educate her on what that sound is. We were sitting on the porch the other day and she says, what's that? And we live south here on 151st uh, right next to Jessica and Brian Anderson. She says, what's that? I says, that's the train whistle. That's what it sounds like? She says, I sound like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but at least she hears me now. And so we're rejoicing in that. And so the message today is about hope. When a situation seems hopeless, there is always, always hope. And I want to just share with you some thoughts today about hope. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation you thought, man, that's hopeless? Anybody? You undertook a task and you thought, I've got this, only to realize that you were in way over your head. Now, I know that it happens. Those of you who are uh, satellite or cable subscribers, uh, if any of you like uh, to watch The Garage Squad, anybody know what I'm talking about? These guys come on the scene with their expertise, tools, and their good contacts with rockauto.com to rehab these automobile projects that someone says, I'm just going to take that on and I'm going to restore that thing. 20 years later, it's still sitting in the garage. It's a hopeless process. They realize they're over their heads. Or perhaps those of you who are home improvement enthusiasts love homes, uh, homes and homes. 
as someone decides they're going to rehab their house, remodel the room, and they cobble it up so bad that it's absolutely hopeless. We've all come into circumstances. We've undertaken something that simply overwhelms us, and we don't know what to do. Now, I believe that as we journey through life, and as we encounter circumstances that seemingly overwhelm us, perhaps we've stepped out in faith to do something that the Lord has challenged us to do or to call us to do, and, and we just are, again, overwhelmed, and we come to a sense of hopelessness that we need to remember four things. And I simply want to share with you those four things today. They've been very beneficial to me in my journey. And I hope that they will be helpful to you in your journey as well. The first thing I would like for us to understand is what is hope? What is hope? Hope is not wishful thinking. When we talk about the end of life, and I'm going to deal with this later in, in the, the sermon today, but when we talk about the blessed hope that we have as believers, we're not talking about wishful thinking. Three years ago, this coming November, my father, who was the patriarch of our family, a minister of 65 plus years, served as a college president, served as a denominational leader, loved to teach, loved to debate theology. He had a, a following on Facebook, and he would just share his faith all the time, debate theologians about various points, and they were into things that, you know, they really didn't impact your everyday life, but that was where his passion was. He posted his final thoughts on Facebook about 10.30 at night, went to bed. At 7 o'clock in the morning, I get a call at work. He woke up in heaven. He was gone. And there was such a peace that flooded our family for a simple reason, because of hope. And so what is hope? I'm not going to do the etymological or the word study today. I just want to share two quick words with you. One of them is a Hebrew word. One of them is a Greek word. But I want you to grasp what hope is from these two words. First, tikva is the word for hope. There, and by the way, there are many words in Hebrew and Greek that are interpreted as hope. But I want to focus on these two words. First, tikva. Literally, it means accord. How many of you have ever found hope to be the only thing that is sustaining you in the things you're going through? I had someone say to me, I've come to the end of my rope. Someone else said, tie a knot and hold on. Hope is literally a cord. Something for us to grasp and to hold on to. It is also figuratively expectancy. Expectancy. Now let's just talk about expectancy for, one, uh, for a moment here. Uh, how many of you women understand expectancy? 
When you find yourself in that condition of expecting, you also are seized with a hope that that season is going to come to an end when you expel that human life from your body and and birth, the miracle of birth takes place. Sometimes we simply need to be pregnant with hope. Grasping the blessing of the Lord, the hope that he gives us, and then taking hold of the courage to possess what he has promised us. So, figuratively, expectancy, hope. Literally, a cord to hold on to. The Greek word is alpes. And interestingly enough, it's very similar. In the Greek, it means to anticipate, to anticipate with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. May I say that when we step out and we begin the journey with the Lord, the walk with the Lord, we can have great confidence that is born out of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Earlier this week, I shared a story uh, that uh, has helped shape my ministry over the years, and it was a story of a conversation I had a number of years ago when I served uh, a congregation in the Dutch community of Pella, Iowa. Very strong presence of uh, reform and Christian reform theology. A very strong Calvinistic uh, background. And I happened to be in that season of my ministry in my life, the president of the Ministerial Association. And Pella was, well, it was like an elephant graveyard for reform and Christian reform pastors because they would all retire there. At our ministerial uh, gathering one time we had, uh, Midwest Magazine came out to do their inaugural cover And they wanted to do a story on the culture of Pella, Iowa. And they thought it would be good to include the the ministerial association. And so we put out a letter and they wanted to do a photo shoot at the historic little church at Skolte Village. And so uh, we went down there and we gathered them all together. 200 pastors, retired pastors showed up for this photo shoot. It was overwhelming. And I'm not kidding when I say an elephant graveyard because that's where they all came to die. (laughs) One day, I was in my office and there was a knock on the door and uh, one of the dear brothers, dear retired pastor, stepped into my office, and he said, do you have a moment? He says, I'd like to talk to you. We just had our ministerial meeting, and I had shared a, a little devotion, and I was talking about our hope. And he says, how can you be so confident that you're going to heaven? And I leaned back in my chair, and I called him by name, and I says, I can be confident because I have hope. I have expectation that I am going to heaven. He says, but how do you know? 
What's the basis of your hope? Well, my basis is, first and foremost, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, his death, burial, and resurrection secure my hope. But partnering that with what is declared in the word, I looked at him and I said, my hope is based on what we read in the scripture, and I, I referenced for him 1 John 5.13, where John wrote, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. And this pastor of over 37 years of ministry looked at me and he says, Does it really say that? Listen, we have cause for hope. This isn't wishful thinking. This isn't a fairy tale that we are pursuing. But this is the declared purpose and plan of God that we stand in hope. The second question that we ask ourselves when we're facing the seemingly hopeless is where does our hope come from? Can we just muster it up in ourselves? I can remember as a, a boy... In junior high, we lived quite a ways from the junior high school, and that was back in the day where you still walked to school. And uh, in the brutal, yes, I'm going to say the brutal winters of Iowa, it's not too dissimilar of what you have here. I understand that you may have ratcheted up just a notch more but I'm familiar with sub-zero temperatures, okay? I can remember stepping out after school, participating in athletics, and you always took a shower at the school, and you'd step outside, and your hair would be wet, and it would <laughs> freeze on top of your head. And Mom might have said, Dad will pick you up on the way home from the church. And so you're standing out there on the, the front step of the school, not too far from the door, and you don't want the door to close all the way lest you be locked out. And you're standing there, and you hear a car coming in the distance, and you begin to feel something well up in you. Is, is it dead? Is there warmth on the way? Only to watch it drive by, and it's not him. I'm not talking about that type of hope, a, a, an expectation that wells up and then crashes down. I'm talking about a hope that is steadfast and sure. And the reason it is steadfast and sure is because of the very source itself. Listen to what the scripture says. And I, I would call your attention to several scriptures here, and I'll be brief as I go through them. I'm reading out of the NIV. Hope comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our source of hope. Psalm 71.5 says, For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. That verse of scripture that we're all so familiar with, Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and what? A hope. Our faith 
secures us, our hope gives us the courage to endure. But you know what? Our hope is also born out of our tests and trials. Any of you ever gone through some stuff? I think probably all of us have, haven't we? I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5. And I, I want to look at just the first four verses and separate them out from verse 5 because I see a, a, a line of delineation there. First off, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. There's a process that is unfolding in our life as we go through these trials. Perseverance, character, hope. Some of you may be in that perseverance part right now, and it seems a long way off as you anticipate that there may be a better day. But there is hope. And it is born out of the very process you're going through today. But let's look down at verse 5. Because the Holy Spirit is active in the process. We're not simply muddling our way through these crises. But the Holy Spirit is walking with us. What did the Apostle Paul say to the church at Corinth? Chapter 3 and also in chapter 6. He says... Don't you know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? We used to ask the boys when they were little, where's God? He's here. He's in me. He's here. God is with us. God walks with us. Even when we go through the trials and the tests, the word that, that uh, pastor shared earlier today, he says when you go through the waters, you're not going to be burned or you're not going to be drowned. When you go through the, the fire, you're not going to be burned because I am with you. And then that's taken from Isaiah. He says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. There's relationship here that secures hope. But as the Holy Spirit works, look at what it says in verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Someone said to me one time, I try to remember every day, they said, that there's nothing that God and I can't handle that's coming my way. That's hope. You don't face life alone. You don't face it in your frailty and in your weakness. You face it in His strength. And in his power. When we lift up our eyes beyond the trial. And when we see the big picture. We begin to understand. The power of hope in us. Earlier I alluded to my father's sudden home going. The apostle Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13. I would not have you grieve as those who have no hope. When I was doing my internship, we had to write down our objectives and goals. It was my senior year, and I 
put down as uh, one of my objectives and goals in my, my internship to work in a death situation because as a teenage boy, I had had a, a rather traumatic experience uh, with death. Not personally uh, that my life was in, in danger, but uh, just it was an unusual encounter with death. And so I put down as one of my career objectives to work in grief situations. Probably not what a lot of people do. But I also anticipated that being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I was probably going to do one or two funerals along the way. And I'll never forget. I went to the church and the pastor to whom I was assigned sent me to the hospital. And as I went to the hospital, I looked at the the list of congregants that were there. And there was one on the first floor of this hospital, which was kind of an extended care uh, floor. But there was another that was in coronary uh, intensive care. And I said to myself, as I prioritized my visitations, I think I'm going to go see the one that's in intensive care. You just never know how long they have. And I walked up and I encountered a woman who loved Jesus Christ with all of her heart and who was possessed, as the song says, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure. And she was confident that if the Lord called her that moment and that day, she would stand in his presence. That with arms wide open, he would say, well done, good and faithful servant, and she would walk into his embrace. We had a wonderful time. I shared prayer, shared scripture, encouraged her. And I walked down to the first floor to see this other gentleman. And as I came off the elevator and I'm going down the corridor, out of the room comes a family sobbing uncontrollably, grieving so deep I'd never seen such desperation of hope, such, such sorrow. And I, I went to them and one person in the family I, I knew from church. And the rest of them were not believers. The rest of them didn't understand the hope that we have in Christ. And the contrast between the believer and the non-believer. The contrast between those who grieve with hope and those who grieve without hope was absolutely incredible. Fortunately, for me, I'm just a young whippersnapper. I don't know too much. Still don't, and I'm an old whippersnapper. But fortunately, the hospital chaplain was a friend of mine. I had known him from years in the church. And he had preceded me in ministerial preparation and had gone on and, and had become the hospital chaplain of this large hospital. And he stepped in as he was summoned to the room where we had all gone. And he began to walk them through the process of grieving. Listen, Paul says, don't grieve as those who have no hope. Because we have the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. You see, our hope is rooted in the promise of eternity with Jesus. 
when we're overwhelmed, feeling discouraged or hopeless, we need to look to Jesus. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, Paul says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us an everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. When we're walking with him, he is pouring out his hope on us. There's a long passage in Hebrews. Uh, I'm not going to, let's just look at the abbreviated passage there uh, because it again focuses on hope. Let me, let me read it from up here if I may. Well, let me read it down here. There we go. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to be or to the full assurance of hope until the end. That we hold on to that hope. And that's what it's saying in Hebrews chapter 6. Listen, we're going to walk through some things in life. It's going to be a challenge some days to put one foot in front of another. It's going to be a challenge someday to even believe. The adversary comes and he wars against us. And he tries to discourage us. He tries to steal our joy, tries to steal our strength, tries to erode our faith, tries to steal our hope. But listen, when we're going through it, hope is being built. It's being multiplied in our life. The fourth thing that I want you to ask yourself when you face an uncertain circumstance is how has hope influenced your life? How has hope influenced my life? Perhaps hope is the very thing that has given you courage in the face of danger. You're going to hold on to that cord just a little while longer. Perhaps hope has given you faith in the face of fear. Listen, fear wars against us. Fear can be debilitating. But hope helps us to face our fears. Hope perhaps has given you confidence in the face of doubt. It's given you peace in the midst of the storm. Go with me to the Sea of Galilee very quickly. Jesus is sleeping in the boat. The disciples are there uh, in that boat. and These are not large vessels. And all of a sudden a storm blows up. And the waves begin to lash. And they begin to fear that they are going down. And finally they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to drown. How many times has that been our cry? Jesus, don't you know what I'm going through? And he spoke, peace be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed him. Listen, when the life giver is in the boat with you, when the source of hope is there with you, what have you to fear? Why be discouraged? Why be disheartened? Why be downcast? Just as he was in the boat with the disciples in the storm, Jesus is with you as you go through life. However, hope has influenced you. I pray that you will always be numbered among those who are referenced in Zechariah 9.12. That you will be a prisoner of hope. Oh, 
I want to be chained to the hope of the Lord. I want when I face uncertainty to lean back on him and know he's got me. He's not going to step back and say, just kidding. Nope. When I lean back, he's saying, I've got you. For the first time, and I didn't, I didn't realize it, I noticed the picture out here in the foyer. That's one of my favorite pictures. And the months that I've been attending here, I'd never noticed that. But to me, that is the image of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That when we've come to the end of ourselves, that holding the nail and the hammer in our own hands, that in our frailty and our failure and our unbelief, when we've fallen back, the Savior is holding us. Let us be a prisoner of hope. Those whose confidence in God is unshakable. May we so live possessed by this hope that we may do as Job declared, and this is one of my wife Dana's favorite verses. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Our hope is grounded in Christ. Our hope is grounded in him. You may be going through the seemingly hopeless circumstances today. I pray that what I've shared with you will challenge you in your thinking and in your living. But I want to do something more today. I want to pray with you, pray for you. And the Lord knows who you are and what you're dealing with. Some of you are dealing with you know, what I call the little gnats of life. They're just an annoyance. They're like South Dakota mosquitoes. They're just always there. Some of you are dealing with the abyss of despair. And I want you to know that there's hope in the Lord today. May I pray for you as I close out the message. Lord, you see us. There's nothing about us that is unknown to you. You know where we're at in this journey. You know the level of our hope today. I pray, Lord, for those who have been walking in hope for a long time and who are nearing the finish line, and, and Lord, their hope is rock solid. They are steadfast and sure in the hope that they have. Bless them, encourage them as the journey continues. Day by day, be their portion, be their hope. But Lord, specifically today, I want to pray for those who are going through the fire, those who are walking through the deep waters, those who are having challenges in business, challenges in relationship, challenges, Lord, uh, in their circumstance, in their finance, those who are having challenges in their health, those who perhaps have heard a doctor say, we've done all we've, we can do. Lord, you are our hope. And so I pray today that you would give hope 
to those who are struggling. That you would give rest to those who are weary. That you would give courage to those who are fearful. And Lord, that you would deliver us out of all of our circumstances that are trying our faith and that are pulling us down today. May we rise up in the power and the might that is ours in Christ Jesus because our hope is based solely upon him and his redemptive work. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.